Well, this is Cameron Cole, and welcome back to this uh, Gospel Moments podcast microclass. And so, again, what we're doing here is we're talking about six moments that every child is going to have um, over the course of their childhood and adolescence. And we're talking about how we speak the gospel into those moments to try to help you as a parent um, just have some language and have some direction on how it is that you spiritually engage your child and how you give them the hope of the gospel in the everyday struggles of being a child. And so I'm here with Tucker Fleming, Mr. Middle School. That's right. That's right. That's right. In every way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, with um, Lucy Kate Green, who's uh, Mrs. Children, Mrs. Middle School, and Mrs. High School. Uh, Rebecca Langford, who's Mrs. High School. And then uh, Mrs. Tara P. Davis, who is uh, Mrs. Children. Children and babies. Children and babies, that's right. All right, so... The, this episode, what we're going to talk about is pressure. Talk about pressure and anxiety, um, which is you know probably one of the most prevalent issues that we see kids struggling with, and it, it starts all the way in elementary school, and it really only intensifies mm-hmm. uh, as they get closer and closer to twelfth grade. Yeah, it's awful. Um, but there is you know there is encouragement, and hope in Christ, and and this is this is a good one to listen to because pressure and anxiety is. Something your child is probably going to find to be their biggest obstacle and struggle in school. And so we'll talk a little bit about how it is that you can encourage them with the gospel. So first off, let's start from the beginning. Because in the words of Julie Andrews, it's a very good place to start. And um, and so tell us, Tara, where in elementary school do you start to see pressure and anxiety coming on? Yeah, um, you know, sadly, anxiety and pressure can really start to form um, even as early as third grade. Um, It's really one of the first years where testing becomes an integral part of school. And even with the best nurturing coaching from a teacher about trying your best and, you know, the test results just being a great piece of data that helps a teacher know how to best help the student, there's still this innate pressure for the student to just be perfect in every way, shape, or form mm-hmm. with those tests. Um, yeah. Also, in many communities, individualized learning goals are in place in classrooms, which means that if students are aware of other students' goals, the comparison game kicks in, and they immediately feel pressure to quickly and perfectly master their goals to get up to the highest point in the classroom. So, um yeah, it's a hard thing to battle because they're getting fed the message, you work at your own pace and we're here to support you, and yet the pressure mm-hmm. to perform is still with many of them. Yeah, it's, it's innate. I've seen it with my own kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about it, uh, middle schoolers? Yeah, you know, I, at least on the junior high boys' side, where I see pressure and anxiety the most is pressure and anxiety that's athletically oriented. I get more calls from parents about little Timmy crying himself to sleep because he didn't make the seventh grade basketball team than I do about any other issue. And something that's always a little bit flooring is that basketball is is the presenting issue, but it's never the core issue. There Mm -hmm. is a pressure Mm -hmm. to perform and a felt anxiety that is what are my friends going to think about me that I didn't make the basketball team? Mm-hmm. 
um, I don't even like basketball that much, but everybody I know made the basketball team and, mm. you know, what, what does this mean for my future? Um, you know, are my parents going to be disappointed in me because I didn't make the mm. basketball team? And what am I going to do from two to four every weekday while my buddies are in the gym? Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to make a living if, if I'm not yeah, going to make it to the NBA? That's right. That's right. You know, because I was going to the NBA. That's right. And you know, I think this is just another example of, of the enemy kind of like taking something and maybe pushing us a little off course because there's a type of pressure and anxiety that's that's not bad. You know, there is a desire to, like, use the tools that the Lord has given you for good. And, um, you know, anxiety sometimes is a, a response to some stimulus in your life, right? You feel a little bit anxious about a test tomorrow, and so you study for it. Mm-hmm. But there is a totally outsized pressure and anxiety when, you know, tears are, are being shed for hours on end over some rejection and um, pressure that, that wasn't satiated. So, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, there, there are opportunities for redemption there, but, um, that, yeah, that's where I see pressure and anxiety the most with junior high guys. Yeah. And on the girls side, um, Tucker mentioned the word rejection and I would say that's, uh, the biggest fear for a junior high girl being rejected by the boys that they're just starting to think about or being rejected by, their friends at school being left out. Um, I think that drives them to just feel the need to do anything they need to do to maintain these new friends, um, to impress people. Um, and I, I remember that being such a big source of anxiety um, when I was in junior high. And two, I think this anxiety and desire to be perfect socially or with sports or with academics um, all can manifest in, in two different ways. One is... Um, being a workhorse, never stopping, always feeling this need to strive and work. And the other way that it manifests itself is by withdrawing altogether, Um, Mm -hmm. realizing you can't be perfect. And so just giving up um, and not even trying. And so I remember when I was in seventh grade, um, that was the first time I experienced challenges with math. And from that point on, I gave no effort towards math because this crippling idea that I wouldn't be able to do it perfectly just kept me from wanting to try at all. Um, but I think you can see that in any area of life. You might see your child socially withdraw, um, like we've talked about in, in previous episodes, uh, that fear, that risk of being rejected. But I would say for girls, that's kind of what I see the most. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's really good, this game. Yeah. How about it, Rebecca? We know nothing about anxiety. We never see it. And we didn't experience ourselves. <laughs> right, yeah. of course, yeah. Uh. No, I, as Cameron mentioned, it's probably the number one pervasive issue that we deal with in students' lives. And a, a kind of concrete example of this is I try and start every Bible study with we play Rose, Bud, Thorn. Rose being the best thing that's happened to you, Thorn being the worst, Bud, what you're looking forward to. And 99.99% of the time, the Thorn will be my math test coming up or I got a bad grade on my math test or I'm really stressed about my math test. And the bud will typically be the next break that's coming in school. I've heard girls in January say, and my bud is summer break, which is so sad. (laughs) What a way to live. Yeah. Um, And you know, that's because we see that they just live with this kind of constant state of anxiety and pressure. And Cameron and I have kind of, uh, coined the term what we are calling the invisible audience of the future. And by that, we mean as early as seventh grade. I remember this vividly. You, the high school guidance counselor comes in and talks to you during your study hall and they start talking to you about your curriculum course and 
how you're going to start training for APs. And then you want to start training for your APs because that's going to determine where you go to college. So we see that a lot of our students live with this anxiety of that there's this invisible audience out there that they make one mess up that's going to throw off the course of their future. You know, one bad grade in seventh grade math will mean that they don't get into the college of their dream. <laughs> and so there's just this constant fear of this invisible audience of the future that creates this um, incredible amount of anxiety and a pressure to perform that we see a lot. Yeah, and then you know, they, on that invisible audience, they go down a slippery slope pretty far. It's, it's, it's you know, the audience is the admissions uh, officer at a college, and then it's the, you know, the employer, prospective employer looking at their resume, you know, when they're 22 mm -hmm. and then it's, you know, whoever their boss is when they're 38 and there's a real, real slippery slope with that. I would say that I see um, more and more, and I'm sorry to say this parents, uh, that a lot of the pressure our kids feel is from their parents. Um, I, I, I do a survey about every five years where I ask students about what it's like to be a teenager. And, um, it used to be that, you know, when they talked about anxiety, which all of them said that's the number one struggle that, that everybody has is anxiety, that they said it was just the culture. It was just the, the pressure they felt in the culture to perform. Um, but now, I, last year I did the survey again, and, and I heard parents um, as the number one source of their anxiety. And so some of that is that, you know, parents are kind of afraid about how competitive the world is, their child's going, in, their child's going into, and parents are afraid of, you know, falling behind and am I doing a bad job? I'm not giving my child every opportunity because, you know, we didn't get them the, the weightlifting coach when they were in 4k. Um, and then, uh, but then also too, I think the way that this world is so, they feel like they're looked at all the time. Mm. Uh, life 360. I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. If, if your child has life 360, it's an app where parents can track where their children are and different things of that nature. Um, I'll say that it, I've heard students say that they feel like they're just being watched all the time. Their grades are being man monitored by their parents real time. They're being, you know, on Life 360, their parents know where they are all the time. And, um, and that's, again, not a judgment on that. But this feeling that they're being watched all the time makes them feel a sense of pressure. Mm -hmm. So, Lizzie Kate, tell us, what does the Word of God have to say about pressure? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to look at Jonah chapter 2, um, which is... For those of you who aren't familiar, um, Jonah was a prophet and not a very good one. Um, and God <laughs> called <Good> Jonah <laughs> to go and preach the good news of his salvation to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Jonah was very comfortable. Um, he also was very close-minded towards the Ninevites and uh, had no intention of going to Nineveh. So he runs the opposite direction. Um, and he gets in a boat, a storm comes, long story short, uh, the passengers have to throw him overboard to stop the storm and he is swallowed by a whale. So, um, in Jonah chapter two, we see Jonah finally pray to God about his situation and he writes about how he feels the flood surround him, the waves and the billows passing over him, um, being distant from God's mm -hmm. sight um, feeling the waters closing in over him, the deep surrounding him, weeds wrapped around his head, um, sinking all the way down to the bottom of the sea. All of these things, it's a physical experience that Jonah is having, but we can assume it's a spiritual and emotional one too. Um, he is physically being tossed about, but he also has run away from God, um, his most faithful companion. Um, he's running away from this calling on his life. 
And I can only imagine that this physical experience of being tossed about is also emotional and spiritual um, with anxiety Mm. um, and being anxious about the decisions that he's made and being anxious about the place it has landed him, um, which is in the belly of a whale. So Jonah is in the belly of the whale for three days and he prays this prayer. And as he recounts everything that's happened, he gets to a turning point. Um, And he says, Oh Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So I would imagine that Jonah, after spending three days in the belly of this whale, um, is probably, I would assume, thinks um, he may not make it out. He has no idea what's going to happen next. Um, And he is in here totally by his own four choices. Um, And yet he turns to the Lord and he says, my salvation belongs to the Lord. Um, He knows that his, his faith will save him. He always has a relationship with God that he can't lose, even if his circumstances are extremely grim. And I think a lot of the time what drives anxiety is this looming worst case scenario. You Mm -hmm. don't make the team. You get rejected. You get dumped. You fail the test. You don't make it into college. Um, And here Jonah is living out his worst case scenario. And yet he's looking it in the face and saying, still, I know my salvation comes from the Lord. And I think that that's what we can encourage our students um, to do, to not fear their worst case scenario, to not dread the consequences of bad choices, um, to not have to be anxious about the future. Because even if the future um, does look grim, even if they do end up in situations and circumstances that are challenging and lonely and difficult, um, through that anxiety, they can push through it and push through their circumstance, um, which is so unsure to see that they have a God that will never leave their side. And um, that's the only thing that's going to bring hope or purpose or joy to their lives. Um, And then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. And he went to preach this news to the Ninevites. But that's what I've got. Yeah, that's That's really, really good. Really good. Well, you know, talking about how, you know, how you communicate to kids living under pressure. Like, Tara, where do you start with that? Yeah, well, I think even taking that story Lucy Kate shared and talking to our kids about when they experience this anxiety or pressure, even going back to the scripture, verse 2 says, So I spoke to the Lord about my trouble, and he answered me. Um, from the deep hole, I shouted for help and you listened when I cried. And how comforting is that for our children to let them know they are not the only ones that have experienced anxiety and pressure, but just like Jonah, we should go to the Lord with that cry for help and he will listen. Mm. And that's who we cry out to help for. We don't try to mask the anxiety with working harder, doing better next time. Um, we want to tell our kids to bring it to the Lord, um, and also share with them that this is something that not only kids struggle with, but adults do too. And the peace and hope for all of us is bringing that pressure and anxiety to the Lord and getting our peace from Him. Stuff. How about middle school, guys? Yeah. <clears throat> I think junior high for a lot of kids is, is when they first start to really internalize in a unique way a lot of these different pressures in their lives and um you know pressure can either bust a pipe or make a diamond and and i think what the gospel does is 
gives us tools to keep from busting the pipe, right? It, it gives us an outlet, right? It shows us that um, the Lord is, is more pleased with you than you could ever imagine and that uh, getting an A on that test or getting a D on that test is not going to please him any more or any less. Making the basketball team or not making the basketball team is not going to make him love you any more or any less. Um, you are accepted before him based on Christ's righteousness alone, not your accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And a deep and abiding sense of that truth keeps pressure and anxiety from busting the pipe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I think, too, you know, Jonah goes on to preach to Nineveh, and the entire city repents and turns away from their sin. So Jonah's life, which started off looking like a failure um, in this story, ends up being something that God uses for so much good. Um, And I think that's a real encouragement to kids, even when they make mistakes in junior high um, or high school or at any point. um, The Lord has a plan for their life, and he uses Mm, those mistakes. That's um, That's That's really good. That's something I'm learning as a minister to junior high and high school students. You know, the mistakes that I've made throughout my Mm -hmm. life, now the Lord is getting to use um, for his good. But at that time, I would have had no perspective to understand that. Um, But, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Tune into the Choices episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think with senior high, Lucy, again, you kind of took the words out of my mouth when you were talking about the worst case scenario. Mm. I think practically a good thing to talk through with a high schooler is what's the worst thing that can happen here? Mm. Okay. Mm. Let's say that you genuinely fail your math test tomorrow. Mm. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, and that typically when they go down that trail, they're reminded that, okay, the worst thing is really not so bad. And then at the end of the day, Jesus is still on the throne. Scott Saul is a pastor in Nashville. I one time heard him say that for the Christian, the worst case scenario is death. Turns out that's our best case scenario too at the end of the day. So oh, it's just yeah. to get offer them some perspective in having them talk through what's the worst thing that can happen here. Mm-hmm. And to give them space to, to grieve the hardness of it too, not to trivialize it by any means. I think too, one practical thing is You know, scripture talks about casting your burdens on the Lord. And so I think it's a good thing to encourage a high schooler to think about what does it look like for you to cast your burden on the Lord? Maybe that day it means journaling or talking with a trusted friend or going on a long run and praying. You know, just what are some ways that you can allow the Lord to carry the heavy, heavy burden that you might be feeling that day? Yeah, that's really good. I, I think generally, too, something you see biblically is that when there's a sense of pressure and fear, that there is a fear of judgment. And, you know, if there's one thing that the gospel promises us is that we're free from judgment. And so, um, you know, reminding your child, especially as we talk about these things related to audience, is that the only only person you only judge you really have to fear is God. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Christ is wiped away any judgment or evaluation like the Lord looks upon you unconditionally and looks upon you fondly and with affection. So, yeah. And so that's, that's, you know, that's something that I would come back to pretty regularly with kids is that just remind them that there's no judgment for those who are in Christ mm. and they don't have to fear um, that judgment or that evaluation. So, so yeah, so that is uh, that is our, our, our uh, episode on fear and pressure and, 
Um, hope this was helpful, and we'll move on to our third episode. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.